Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Hope that you are having a good after or a good weekend, and uh, glad that we can be here together uh, to worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter nineteen. Leviticus chapter nineteen. That starts on page ninety-seven on your pew. There we go. Ninety-seven. Leviticus chapter nineteen, page ninety-seven in your pew Bibles. Good to see you this morning again. Glad that we can be here together to uh, worship God. Uh, we're continuing our series on the name of God, and we've looked at uh, really doing, like we've talked about before, kind of a, a character study, learning what, what do we learn about who this God is that we serve uh, through the various names that he uses in Scripture. And I want to look at two passages this morning. We'll start in Leviticus chapter 19. We'll look at about three or four chapters there, and then we'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, here in just a little bit and recognize that some of the same things that we'll learn about God in the Old Testament, we are told about God in the New Testament, and maybe more than anything else, the idea that um, there is a responsibility that God has for us. There's an expectation uh, that God demands of us to live for him and to consider our lives as being followers of him. We've talked about a lot of different names about uh, God, or a lot of different names of God, and today we're talking about Yahweh Mekadesh. And this is the Lord who sanctifies us. Uh, the Lord who sanctifies. Last week we talked about the, the, the fact that uh, God is our righteousness. Uh, and this today we're talking about the Lord who sanctifies us. And we, last year, about the same time, actually, we started a, a pretty long sermon series on uh, sanctified. You may remember that. We had the, the green signs up here. And we talked about the idea that sanctified, uh, the idea of being sanctified, it, it's where we are and it's where we're going. Uh, that we are sanctified as Christians, we are holy, we are set apart for uh, living a life for God, but it's also a, a process of becoming more like Jesus. I, I say fairly often that uh, we live our lives as a response to God's grace, uh, that, that our, our actions, our deeds will never save us, but we, we change our actions and we change our deeds because God has saved us, uh, that we live our life in a response to God's grace. And, and sanctification really is that process. It's that process of uh, changing from who we were before Christ into who we are in Christ. Uh, and when we think about this, this Old Testament, probably we think about grace especially a lot more in the New Testament than we do in the Old Testament. But along with that, perhaps we think about uh, in the New Testament more in the Old Testament, this idea of sanctification, that we're, that we're changed. Uh, but this, uh, of course, begins in Leviticus chapter 19, where it talks to us about God being holy. So let's notice a few things here as we, as we walk through this. One thing that I want you to note uh, in, in my version and in your version there's going to be uh, two words that we'll read a lot, holy and or sanctified, holy or sanctified. Uh, they're very closely related, uh, have some, some similar, uh, a similar root uh, in the original language, uh, but the, the distinction of them is, is, is small, perhaps significant, uh, but sometimes your version may say holy, sometimes your version may say sanctified, it may say set apart, it may use slightly different words, but we want to recognize that, that to be holy is to be is the idea that you have stepped out or been taken out of the world and set aside for a specific purpose, and the idea of sanctified is the same thing uh, that you you perhaps have done it for yourself or you've made up your mind that this is what you're going to be about, or specifically for us as Christians that God has if we're going to be if he's going to be our God and we're going to be his people, then he has an expectation of what that looks like and what that means for us. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 19. Let's read verses 1 and 2, and let's notice, first of all, uh, that God, the Lord, is holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. 
then the Lord, or then Yahweh, spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, or Yahweh your God, am holy. Now that's not a, for those of us who are familiar with Bible study, that's not a very uh, strange passage for us to hear. That sounds pretty familiar. You're to be holy for I'm holy. Jesus talks about that. Uh, Jesus talks about that we're to be holy because our, our Father in heaven who is holy. But here God is telling Moses or to, to, to tell all the people, hey, you are to be holy. You're to be set apart. You're to be different. And I hope that this morning, we only got two passages. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm a little clogged up. So I don't want, to, I don't want you to have to listen to my voice a whole long time. But I want to, to emphasize to you the importance of just how different God is. Notice again what it says there, what Moses is supposed to say. He says to the people, God says to us, You shall be holy, for I, Yahweh your God, am holy. Do you remember what that name Yahweh means? It means I am, the existing one, the one, the one that is. And it's, it's, it's a very odd name, right? You, you wouldn't name someone I am. You're probably not going to name your child that. It's, it's a very odd name, but it, but it tells us so much about God. That he is, that he exists, and, and all of these different names that we've talked about, about uh, the Lord who uh, is our righteousness, the Lord who sanctifies us, the Lord who does all of these things. It, it is this, this, this claim that God makes, I am this person. We, we often sing songs and even read scriptures that describe him as the great I am, Right? It's, we, we learn about God through this name Yahweh and through all the different iterations of it and, and descriptive terms used along with it. I am, the great I am is what he's basically saying in here and, and claiming here. And he, he demands from us here, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you skip over to verse 20, uh, chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 20, let's look at verses seven through eight, seven and eight. Leviticus 27 and eight. Therefore, you shall set yourselves apart or you shall sanctify yourself as holy and be holy for I am the Lord your God and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. There's that this phrase here, this this name Yahweh Mekadesh. I am the Lord who makes you holy or the Lord who sanctifies you. Again, notice just a few of the things that he says here. Therefore, you shall set yourselves apart as holy, you shall sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I am Yahweh your God, and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. He repeats his name over and over and over again in these verses, and he's reminding them, hey, this is who I am. And we think about, again, the, the uniqueness of God, something we may not appreciate much in our Western culture, in our culture that for a long, long time, for hundreds of years now, has been dominated religiously by Christianity. But in the world that Moses lives in, there's a, a pantheon of gods, right? There's the gods of the Egyptians. Later, in, as we move into the, the New Testament, there'll be the, the gods of the Greeks and the gods of the Romans. There's the gods of the Assyrians in the Old Testament. There's, there's all of these different gods, and, and God is here declaring, hey, whether or not those gods exist, there are definitely those who would worship them as if they do. And I'm telling you that I'm different, that, I, that I'm not like them, that, that I'm, I'm greater than them, certainly he's saying, 
but ultimately that, hey, if you're going to be my followers, then you've got to live my way. That's why he says you need to keep these ordinances. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. He makes this claim over and over again. If you go to chapter 21, uh, you'll notice we, we won't take the time to read it, but he talks about how uh, the priests of God, they are to be holy. If you look into uh, chapter 22, uh, the early part of it, it talks about how the sacrifices, the, the lambs and the rams and, and all of the other animals that were to be sacrificed, they were to be pure and spotless without, without blemish. They were to be, in essence, holy, set apart because of their uniqueness and their, and their cleanness. And then we get to the passage that was read to us earlier in chapter 22, verses 31 through 33. Notice again what we learn about the God that we serve here. He again says, again, this, of course, Leviticus, if, if you're unfamiliar with Leviticus, it is it's the book of the law. It's where we, we learn about so many of the, the, the specifics about uh, the, the way that the Old Testament, they were supposed to make sacrifices and, the, and so many of the, the days that they were to recognize and keep holy and so many specifics of day-to-day life, uh, so many laws that were given. Uh, so it, it makes sense that he's saying, hey, these laws that we're talking about, you need to make sure that you're doing them. But let's lo- notice what it says in chapter 22, verses 31 through 33. You shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. Now, again, your version likely there says the Lord. And we've talked about this a number of times, but I want to remind you of it, okay? Uh, Lord there in your, in your Bible, it may or it may not, but most English translations were in that verse right there. The word Lord is a, a large capital L and then smaller, but still capitalized O-R-D. And when we read that in our English Bibles, it is this name that we've been talking about for these last several weeks. This name that God has given for himself. This name that we best to our ability pronounce as Yahweh. We first read this uh, in our our first lesson. We talked about in Exodus chapter uh, 3 and verse 15. God says that this is his memorial name. It's a name that he wants to be remembered by. We learn even even further in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3 uh, that, that the great patriarchs of the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they did not know this name. They, they did not call God this name. They called him, it says there in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3, they knew me as the Lord God Almighty, but they did not know me as Yahweh. So when, what I want to say here, and, and the reason that, we, and we've talked about this, but the, the reason that uh, the, the Jews of the Old Testament time period, even up till today, uh, they, they won't say Yahweh uh, because they want to hold it in reverence. And, and, and that's, that makes sense. And we're, we're going to read here in just a minute about not profaning the name of the Lord and keeping it holy and, and appreciating it and all of these things. But I don't know about you, but when I read the Lord, that doesn't seem very personal. It doesn't seem very connected. It seems like, you know, he's, he's so distant from me. But when I read and it says it this way, so you shall keep the commandments and do them. I am... Yahweh. And I know from Exodus chapter 3, and I know from Exodus chapter 6 that, that this is not just a, it's not a title at all, but it's his name. And, and that God has decided to share his name with us, to give us, in essence, what we might think of as a, be on a first name basis with God. And I know maybe sometimes we get uncomfortable with this idea of God being our friend and that sort of thing. And that, that's a discussion for us to, uh, to think about. But, but God has, has allowed us to know his name. 
He says about that name in verse 32, and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be treated as holy or I will be set apart. I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. Again, Yahweh Mekadesh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Yahweh. In verse 33, at the end of it, it says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. God, there is this name Elohim. And it's, it's this, uh, this name for, uh, any number of people could have used this 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 word Elohim uh, to, to name uh, could have just have been a, a ruler uh, like our our presidents or our, our senators or, or different uh, leaders in different areas. It could have been uh, this could have been a word for them, but it was also used for uh, for deities. Uh, and God says, "Hey, I brought you out of Egypt, and, and I want to be your leader. I want to be your ruler. I want to be your God." But He doesn't stop there. He says, "I am Yahweh." He reminds us about who he is, how he exists, what he does for us, and what that hopefully should mean for us in our lives. We learn about God and how much he wants to have this relationship with us. So Yahweh is holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. You as followers of Yahweh, we as followers of Yahweh, we're supposed to be holy. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. And we learn again that, uh, that God says, my name shall be held holy. It shall be held sanctified. It will be sacred to you. And we, of course, could think about the, the use of God's name in vain and, and all of those types of things. And, and that, that is applicable. But in our hearts, do we hold God as holy? In our actions, do we hold God as holy? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read verses 9 through 11. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. If you have a pew Bible, that starts on page 1015. 1015 in our pew Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. A familiar passage to us, but let's take the time to read it. Of course, in the Old Testament, the chosen race, the royal priesthood of uh, the Old Testament would have just been the Jews. Uh, here, Peter, uh, who was the apostle to the Jews, uh, lets Jews and Gentiles know uh, that through Jesus, not only are the Jews have the opportunity to have a relationship with God, but so also do the Gentiles. It says there, talking of all people who would follow Jesus. But you are a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And here's the important part, maybe for us, especially as Christians. For once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he gives, he gives the, the so what about it. He tells us this, this amazing blessing that, again, we probably, if you've been a Christian for a while, which most of us here have been, we simply take it for granted. Hey, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And maybe those, those phrases, that, that would mean a lot to, to Jewish folks, maybe even a lot to people who lived during the time of, of kings and kingdoms, maybe doesn't mean so much to us today. But when he says, you're a people for God's own possession— so that you can be his people and he can be your God. Hopefully that's something that means something to us. And then he says, so what? Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Because you are this chosen race, because you are this royal priesthood, this holy nation, because you are God's people, act like it. Act like it. And that's easy to say, isn't it? But can I tell you, that's this sanctification process that we've talked so much about. 
in times previous, and as we think about Yahweh Mekadesh, he is the Lord who sanctifies us. That is this process that we, we start to, to change our lives. And it, it's, it's different than what we talked about last week, that the Lord is the one, uh, the Lord is our righteousness. You see, when you become a follower of Jesus, you are saved. You go from being lost to being saved the moment that you become a Christian. And you, you are, in God's eyes, pure and clean because you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. You are saved. You are righteous. And you're also sanctified and, and, and you're set apart for God. But what that looks like in a practical everyday life is, okay, well, I've got to start making different decisions. I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm not going to do the things that I want to do anymore. I'm going to learn and grow and struggle and succeed and fail, but continue to try to do more of what God wants me to do. That is this sanctification process. It perhaps, righteousness perhaps is more of a, a theological thing that we from, or a salvation thing, certainly. We go from being lost to being saved. And sanctification is a practical thing. Today, when you leave this building, while you're sitting here right where you're at, you're continuing this process of being sanctified by God. And you're making up in your mind And God is helping you as you study his word and you pray to him. And as the spirit acts in your life, how am I going to to be more like Jesus? Uh, I want to encourage you tonight. uh, I I know I I would like to for you. I would like to invite you to come to to services tonight at five o'clock. I'm going to share with you tonight uh, a little bit more from uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10, which talks about this sanctification process. And then I'm going to share a video with you. have you ever had things that are just formative in your faith? And, and those are things that you, you would be happy to share with people because that maybe you read a, a certain scripture or someone explains something to you in a way that you never thought of before. Tonight, I'm going to share a video with you that has been formative to my faith. And it, it's, it's really, it helps me to understand and to visualize what is the sanctification process. So I hope that you'll come back and, and look at that tonight. But but for this morning, let's, let's think about the fact that, that every day we have the opportunity to grow and be more like Jesus. And, and Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord is the one who sanctifies us. That means God is acting in our life. And, and what does that look like? I've told a few of you this, this story already, but this past Thursday, um, I think I was going out to lunch or I, had, I was coming back home or coming back to the office uh, from lunch. And I was driving past um, Avery Trace Middle School. Uh, and I don't know what the name of that, that road is because I'm not good at road names. Uh, but there's that, the big curve right in front of Avery Trace Middle School, if you're familiar with that. And, and there's, a, there's a guardrail there because it kind of falls off the side. And I'm driving past uh, Avery Trace Middle School uh, and, and on this main road here. It's a pretty busy road. You know, it's a, a two-lane road with a, a median in the middle. And there's a road that comes in from the left-hand side. So it's a, a pretty busy intersection uh, just about all the time. And there's this guy who's walking down the street, uh, walking on the right-hand side of the road. Uh, and... He looks like to me uh, what I imagine Moses would have looked like if Moses had a really long day, right? Uh, he's wearing sweatpants and a, a sweatshirt and his, his hair's all over the place and it's pure white and he's got this, this long scraggly beard and he's missing a shoe, okay? And he's, he's, kinda, he's, he's literally hobbling down the road. And you know what my first thought was? Nope. Nope, not doing that. He's going to keep going because I didn't mention this. He had his thumb stuck out. He was looking for a ride. Uh, But the Lord was working on me. The Lord was sanctifying me. 
And as I drove down the road a little bit further, I said, well, I got to try and help this guy. And I didn't know how I was going to do it because, again, he's, he's on this busy road and there's, there, there's, not, a, there's not a shoulder to this road and, and the, the guardrail's there. So, and I don't know what he was thinking, to be honest with you, the way that he looked in, in my interactions with him. I'm not sure how much he was thinking. Uh, there was no good spot to stop to help this guy. But he's sticking his thumb out and he's just sitting there for a little while. I drove past him three times trying to figure out how in the world am I going to get to this guy? How in the world am I going to, how in the world am I going to help him? Eventually he starts moving, hobbling down the road and I find the, the next road that he can, you know, that he'll cross and, and he gets there finally, you know, 10, 15 minutes later. Um, I actually yelled at him one or, once or twice, but he couldn't hear me because of the, um, the, the traffic, I guess. Uh, and eventually he, he comes up to me and say, hey, you need a ride? And he says, yeah, I need a ride. And, and he gets in the car. And again, he, I mean, I don't know what mountain he climbed down out of, but it looked like he had just climbed down off of, out of a mountain. And I said, hey, where, where are you going? He said, downtown. And I said, well, that's, that's pretty broad. Um, anywhere in particular? And he said, yeah, the jail. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, <laughs> for those of you of a certain age, I didn't know if this was going to be like uh, Otis from the Andy Griffith show when he was going to turn himself in uh, for being drunk or something like that. I, I didn't know exactly, uh, you know, he's going to the jail. And I said, oh, you're going to go to the jail? Um, why? You got to go to the jail. He said very, you know, flamboyantly, well, my son's there. And I said, oh, okay, well, did, did he do something wrong? Well, of course he did something wrong. And I said, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, and he said, he, he hit a girl. And I said, well, you can't do that, can you? And he said, of course you can't. Uh, so he's just, just very, you know, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting interaction. And, and I asked him about his shoe. I said, hey, what happened to your shoe? You know what he said? I lost it. Well, okay, all right, okay. I pretty much figured that guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was going to offer him, I was going to give him my shoes. I said, hey, what, what size shoe do you wear? And he says, I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know if he literally didn't know what size shoe he wore or if, I, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. But I stopped and I gave him a ride and we got to the jail and, and he got out and didn't say much. And I said, all right, man, have a good day. And into the jail he went. And I don't know the story. And I don't know what happened to his son, and I don't know any of those types of things, but can I, can I explain to you in a simple way what it means when the Lord sanctifies you? And I do not by any means say this as, look at me and the good thing that I did. I did not want to stop for him. I had little desire. I had things, to do, things I needed to do at work. There wasn't an easy spot for me to stop and help this guy. I didn't want to. But the Lord put on my conscience, this guy needs help. And so I did something I didn't want to do. What part of your life do you struggle sanctifying to the Lord? How about your money? Do you you struggle? You see, again, let me stop because you're saying, okay, you're about to talk about my money. Listen, as a Christian, and, and again, what, what God was talking about in, in Leviticus chapter 19 and Leviticus chapter 22, where he says, hey, you need to be careful to do my commandments. And then he doesn't, he just, he, he really is, is claiming some authority. He says, hey, you need to make sure you do these commandments. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. If you're going to be my followers, if you're going to be my people, then act like it. That's easier said than done. But God is working on us every day. And he doesn't want just a little bit of us. He doesn't want just certain parts of us. 
He wants all of us. So the question this morning is, my challenge for you this morning is, what parts of your life do you struggle sanctifying to the Lord? What about your money? Do you use your money for God's glory? What about your relationships? Do you have relationships in your life that don't glorify God and that you don't glorify God in those relationships? What about your anger? Do you struggle with anger? Do you struggle with your emotions? Have you sanctified your emotions to the Lord? What about your speech? The things that you say. I have thought this morning, uh, Riley was in her room listening to some, some music this morning. She's a big Taylor Swift fan. Pray for us. You know, we, we, we listen to, to music and oftentimes we'll, we'll listen to church music, Christian music of some variety on, on the radio. But, uh, you know, sometimes we listen to different kinds of music and, um, you know, there's some of that stuff that in the big scheme of things, when we look at it, we say, well, you know, those words aren't that bad. In your speech, in your entertainment, in the things that you're taking into your life, what are you allowing to sneak into your life that isn't sanctifying your life to the Lord? So what about money? What about relationships? What about entertainment, speech, patience, anger? So many different things. Again, it tells us in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good works as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Two last thoughts and we'll be, the lesson will be yours. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and, and exiles to abstain from fleshly lust. Uh, fleshly lust means they're desirable, but they're destructive because they're waging war against the soul. They're desirable. You want them. They look good. They might be fun and enjoyable, but for the Christian, they'll destroy you. So abstain from those things. And then he says, hey, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. And Gentiles there simply just means anybody who's, who's not a follower of God, somebody who's not a part of this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation. Keep your behavior excellent among them. And here, so many times I think in Christianity, when we think about, you know, this idea that we need to, to follow God's commandments, we need to be good, we need to do good things. Sometimes, I, I think oftentimes we think about, well, if I, if I don't do good, then, then I'm going to do bad and God's going to be displeased with me. And there's some thought to, to have there. But why does, why does Peter tell Christians, why does God through Peter tell us today, keep your behavior excellent? It's not so much that God's keeping a, a record of rights and wrongs, okay? Listen, if God keeps a record of rights and wrongs, guess what? We're all lost. And that's why we need Jesus, right? But the, the emphasis here is, hey, sanctify your life. Start using your money differently. Start acting differently in your relationships. Start acting differently in this part of your life and that part of your life. Sanctify your life to the Lord so that people will see you and glorify God. It's not a, hey, make sure you're doing the right thing or God's going to strike you down. It's a, hey, let's set a good example and show people a better way to live. This morning, what areas of your life do you struggle sanctifying to God? And this morning, if you're not a Christian, have you sanctified any of your life to God? Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you dedicated your life 
to following him and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. If you are interested in knowing more about that, we'd love to talk to you. But this morning, mostly for, for our brothers and sisters, for Christians, uh, what area are you struggling, struggling with? And what help and what changes can you make? Again, I, I encourage you to come back tonight. Uh, I think that uh, the lesson in the video that we'll show will, will be impactful to you. Uh, but, but even if not, I hope that you'll think about the, the areas of your life that you struggle with, uh, sanctifying to the Lord, and that you'll, you'll do a better job with that. If we can do anything for you this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.